Hello, everyone. This is Victor Jackson. Welcome to the Bible Centered Podcast. Welcome to another episode of Bible Centered with Victor Jackson. Thank you for joining us as we continue our series in the Gospel of Matthew. God has been doing some big things through this series. I want to thank you for all uh, the messages expressing uh, your appreciation uh, for the Word of God and how you have been growing and applying it to your life. And going through this verse-by-verse format, it, it, it allows us to talk about things that aren't normally talked about. And the Word of God is so deep. Uh, there's just so much to learn. And uh, it's, it's always good to remain a student of the Word. Uh, our daughter Mia is now a month uh, and and a week old. Uh, time is flying. Uh, she is amazing. She's she's strong. She's she's awesome. Uh, me and my wife are just having an amazing time uh, with our daughter. Uh, thank you for your prayers. And um, our our church has been doing five a.m. prayer Monday through Friday, and uh, that has been so special. And we have been so blessed by uh, the 5 a.m. prayer and uh, as we're just bombarding the throne of God, uh, trying to bring his glory down. And after prayer, I get the opportunity to expound the word of God to you, which I look forward to uh, on Tuesdays through Fridays. So let's get into this. Matthew chapter 16 and verse 21. Matthew chapter 16 and verse 21. From that time forth began Jesus to show unto his disciples how that he must go into Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised again the third day. Then Peter took him and began to rebuke him, saying, Be it far from thee, Lord, this shall not be unto thee. But he turned and said unto Peter, Get thee behind me, Satan. Thou art an offense unto me, for thou savorest not the things that be of God, but those that be of men. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, and whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. For what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? And what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man shall come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and then shall he reward every man according to his works." Verily I say unto you, there shall be some standing here which shall not taste of death till they see the Son of Man coming into his kingdom. And this is the shift. 
This is the shift in the Gospel of Matthew. You're going to notice a more serious tone uh, later all until we get to the resurrection because you're going to see the persecution of Jesus intensify. And now he is prophesying his imminent death and this imminent death for uh, the people of God's benefit. He's prophesying that he's going to die. And this is right after he mentions the glory of the church. He mentions that the church is going to be powerful, that the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. But in order to get to that power, he says that he must first die. Those seem to be competing narratives, uh, a complexity, ironic, a paradox, that in order for the kingdom to be established in power, that you cannot bypass death, cannot bypass the death of on the cross, that in the journey to power, you cannot bypass the cross. On the journey to possessing, you cannot bypass the cross. On the journey to more, you cannot bypass sacrifice. Up to this point, he speaks that the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. The kingdom of heaven is like a merchant man uh, finding a pearl of great price. The kingdom of heaven is like a sower, a sower which went forth to sow. A sower which went forth to sow. And the kingdom is like unto this. The kingdom is like unto that. A kingdom is like unto this and that. But the kingdom is just abstract until there is a life of sacrifice. So he's saying, yes, I told you what the dream is, but the expensive nature of the dream is in order for it to be accomplished, I'm going to have to bleed. Every dream, there has to be blood somewhere. Every dream, there has to be uh, the grit, the grind, the sleepless nights for trying to give birth to something that God has put into your spirit. It is the price of a dream is there's going to be blood somewhere. Doesn't come without some type of sacrifice. It doesn't come without some type of imbalance. Uh, I believe in balance. Balance is important. Uh, but what Jesus did for us was very imbalanced. Dying on a cross for people is very imbalanced. Taking a pit stop to be to get stripes on your back for people's healing, that is imbalanced. 
As a matter of fact, he was doing so many miracles that his family cried out and said, stop doing miracles. He is beside himself because he didn't eat. Jesus was missing meals to heal people. That, that my friend, is imbalanced. And somewhere for a dream to come into fruition, it's going to take some imbalanced prayer. It's going to take some imbalanced fasting. It's going to take some imbalanced discipline. It's going to take that those things. There is the expensive nature of a dream. And Jesus, Matthew's gospel it theme is fulfillment. But in order for the, the kingdom, before, for fulfillment to happen, he has to go to that cross. Now we enter into Matthew 16, which is the introduction of the cross principle. The journey of discipleship is to deny self, take up the cross, and follow him. This is the Christian's personal development plan. This should be on every New Year resolution. Three things, deny self, take up the cross, follow him. And so verse 21, it says, from that time forth began Jesus to show unto his disciples how that he must go into Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised again the third day. After he introduces the power of the church and how whatever you bind shall be bound, whatever you loose from heaven shall be loosed, then he says that I got to suffer to bring this to pass. Ah, oh my goodness. No one wants suffering. No, no one wants suffering, but, 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 but nothing could be accomplished without a price. Uh, you know, you go into an ice cream store, a Baskin Robbins or, or somewhere, Cold Stone Creamery, and you get to look at the display of the ice cream. And you look at one and you covet to purchase one. What they'll do to give you an incentive to purchase is they'll let you get a taste, a sample. So you get to sample that butter pecan. Boy, I'm preaching this morning. You get to sample that chocolate chip mint. I don't do, I personally don't do mint ice cream. I'm sorry, I can't do it. It's just, that's just, that's between me and God. That's between me and God. Uh, but for those that like the mint, more power to you. Uh, the, the, the praline, the, the cookie dough, the cookies and cream. Before you buy it, they'll allow you to taste it. And the, and the sample is free. But they'll give you the sample to say, now, if you want more, you got to pay full price. And Jesus gives them glimpses of the kingdom when he's healing, working miracles, blinded eyes open, deaf ears. And these are 
samples. But he said, but if you want to live in this state of power, I've got to pay full price. I've got to suffer so you can live in it, so you can walk in it, so you can move in it. Not just seeing glimpses of it happening with me, but you personally having that same authority. But it's going to come through suffering. I'm going to suffer from the people that I've come to help. I'm going to suffer from the people that I've come to give myself to. The Bible says that after he tells them this prophecy of him suffering, then Peter took him and began to rebuke him, saying, Be it far from thee, Lord, this shall not be unto thee. But he turned and said unto Peter, Get thee behind me, Satan, thou art an offense unto me, for thou savorest not the things that be of God, but those that be of men. Ooh, we're getting to the crux here. Jesus starts telling him in order to get the power, in order for the kingdom to become a reality, I have to suffer, I have to die, but I will rise again. And Peter takes him, the guy who just gets the keys to the kingdom of heaven, the guy who just confesses thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. He had a revelation of his identity. He just didn't have a revelation on his sacrifice. I know who you are. I just didn't know it took sacrifice to establish establish and expand and possess the kingdom of God. He says, he begins to rebuke him. Can you imagine rebuking Jesus? Are, are you, Peter, are you crazy? He's so dazed with power that he can't comprehend the cross. So enamored with the possibility of more that he can't imagine blood. So dazed with binding and loosing and gifts of the spirit and glory and anointing. But he cannot comprehend the death. Cannot fathom commitment. He says, this shall not be unto thee. Jesus says, get thee behind me, Satan. Only Satan would try to convince a church that they can have the power of God without a cross. Only Satan would convince an individual that they can have power with no sacrifice. He says, get thee behind me, Satan. Remember, the last time Jesus said, get thee behind me, Satan, it was when Satan was trying to convince him to take a shortcut when he was in the wilderness after his ministry started. And he say, get thee behind me, Satan. Now he's telling someone in his circle, get thee behind me, Satan, because now someone in his circle is trying to convince him to not go the way of the cross. Ooh. 
And someone said it this way, you got to be careful of people that will try to love you out of your future. I don't want you to go through any pain. I don't want you to go through any suffering. Come on, don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. No, no, no. Get thee behind me, Satan. Because I've got to take the brunt of this cross. I've got to take the brunt of this cross to accomplish what God wants me to accomplish. I've got somebody's got to bleed. Somebody's got to bleed. Somebody's got to bleed. I remember whenever God told me to come plant a church in Orlando, I started getting a glimpse of the cross that I would have to bear. And I I embraced it. I realize, okay, God's called me to carry this cross. I've got to, I've got to deal with it. I've got to deal with the rejection. I've got to deal with this and that and this and that. And you know what? I'll gladly bear it for the joy that's set before me. I remember being in a church service and I was preaching. And all of a sudden, uh, the pastor's wife, comes and prays over me and she's just travailing over me. I mean, she's just travailing. Like her eyes are bloodshot. She, she's like weeping over me as if I'm literally as if I'm about to die. The pastor came and prayed over me. They didn't know that I was about to plant this church in Orlando. Their eyes are bloodshot. They're weeping over me. Like as if I was about to literally, like I was about to go to the cross and die. That's how much they were wailing over me. People started gathering around me. And I realized I've got to get up and tell the church what's going on. So I got up and told the church, I said, listen, God's calling me to do something. And it's going to be an intense cross. I'm going to be bearing this cross. Pray for me in the coming months. Um. I'm taking up a cross. When I left, um, um, when I was leaving the church, someone came up to me and said, uh, Brother Jackson, you, the Lord told me to tell you, you're not going to carry that cross by yourself. I'm, I'm sending, God said he's going to have some Simons sending you some Simons to help you carry that cross. And I, I said, okay, thank you. I start getting out of the parking lot. I'm driving away. Another person tells me to roll down my window. I rolled down my window. They said, but Jackson, God told me to tell you that you don't, you're not going to be carrying that cross by yourself. God said he's sending you some Simons. And I said, thank you. I said, thank you. And whenever we decided to have our uh, launch service, just two mics and a guitar, one of the couples uh, that we called to help us in that first service was Simon and Kristen. 
they they sang, they played, they did a great job. We blessed them, sent them on their way back to California. And then about a month and a half or two months later, they gave me a call and said, listen, God's telling us to come to Orlando uh, to be a part of what you're doing. And I said, I said, okay, okay, awesome. They moved in about April, uh, four months after us launching. And then after they moved, it wasn't until about a year so after they moved, the word came back to me. God said, I'm sending you Simons. And his name is Simon, Simon Sangari. And it wasn't just one Simon, but he's sending Simons. So to help carry this cross, not for anything to be easier, but to help carry this cross, I've got some Simons helping me with this podcast right now. I've got, I've got, uh, a Simon Sangari. I've got a I've got a Mike and Geraldo. These are these are Simons that are helping me carry this cross Tuesday through Fridays at six a.m. in the morning to give you this podcast. That they understood this journey wouldn't be easy, but they came alongside me to help me carry this cross because destiny isn't easy. Before destiny or to establish destiny, there's always a death somewhere. And you cannot shortcut the process. Except the corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it brings forth fruit. I found a city to die in. Except the corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, I found a field to put my life as a seed into that field and die in so fruit can come forth to help others. That's the only way destiny is accomplished. That's the only way dreams come to pass. Somebody has to take up a cross. Somebody has to go through the process. We cannot shortcut the process. So he tells Peter, get thee behind me, Satan. The same thing he told Satan in the wilderness because Satan was trying to get him to shortcut the process. Now his circle is trying to get him to shortcut the process. I want to give honor to my wife here because many times she I'm I'm out praying and studying and seeking God and she doesn't try to say, Oh, rest today, oh sit back today, oh this is that no. She joins me with the cross and says, Do what you gotta do. And I know this is a time where we want to prevent everybody from going through pain, but anything great is costly. In the, in the secular world, Apple started in a garage. Google started in a garage. Microsoft started in a garage. Amazon started in a garage. If you're about to do something great, the first thing you need is a garage. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding there. Go get you a garage. Go get you a shed. And start building something. Anything great is going to be costly. And the first thing they're going to say 
is you're crazy. What are you doing? What, who do you think you are thinking you could change the world with the gospel? Who do you think you are sharing the good news? But in order for the kingdom to be established, there has to be sacrifice. Peter was so overwhelmed with the possibility of power that he couldn't even fathom that there would be sacrifice involved in this journey. This generation needs to understand that nothing is free. That people didn't get where they are just by rubbing the right shoulders or politics or trying to find a way to maneuver. There is a price paid. There is a price paid. There are spiritual attacks. There, there was one time recently after doing the podcast that I literally had to be carried to my car. I couldn't even drive home. They had to drive me home because of the weight of the spiritual attack I was under. Like, just to give this word to you. Over 100 nations listening. You think hell likes this? But greater is he that is in me than he that's in the world. It's the price of greatness. Everyone's scared. Everyone's scared to be great at something. It's like I said, no one criticizes the guys on the bench. They only criticize the guy that's in the arena. They only criticize the guy that's on the court or on the field. The reward for greatness is criticism. And we've got people that are scared of criticism, so they're scared to be great. Or they're scared of being targeted by the devil, so they disappear in the shadows. But can I give you a revelation? In the shadows, you're still a target. So why not just be great and be targeted? My, my book is trying to fall off of here. I, maybe this is the time. A Word to the Broken, English and Spanish on Amazon. You need to get it. We'll put, put this aside. It's the price of greatness. You're going to get criticized. People won't like you. People won't like your personality. There, greatness and being liked are not synonymous terms. You hear what I'm saying? People can hate China all they want, but you better go and admire that wall. <laughs> you can not like them all you want, but for that wall to be up for thousands of years, that wall of China, wow. It, you don't have to like them, but you got to sit back and admire what they did. There's people that don't like America, but my word, to be where this country is in less than 300 years, you, you may not like America, but you got to sit back and admire what, what America has been able to accomplish under 300 years. 
greatness and being liked are not synonymous terms. And so people spend their whole life trying to be liked, even if it costs them greatness. Jesus is great and perfect for 33 and a half years, and he ends his life with 120 disciples. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? If you're a pastor and you have a church with over 120 people, more people like you while you're alive than they like Jesus when he was alive. Three and a half, 33 and a half years of perfection, a perfect man only got 120 to show up in the upper room. God in the flesh only got 120 to show up in the upper room. And here you are trying to be liked by everybody. Think about it. If Jesus had an Instagram page, he'd have 120 followers. If he had a Facebook, he'd have 120 friends. You'd be like, oh, man, he's not great. Well, guess what? He's still God. So you can't even judge greatness by how many followers a person has. You can't even judge greatness by how many people like a post or watch a post or watch a video. Greatness is beyond that. Greatness is about what's being accomplished where the kingdom of God is being expanded and equipping and empowering the people that are following you. Think about it. Jesus went viral and still has 120 followers. Think about it. Think about it. But true greatness is someone willing to sacrifice for what they believe in. True greatness is someone willing to pay the price for what they believe in. That's what, that's what true greatness is. So Peter's trying to have him shortcut the process without going through the cross. And he says, listen, you're an offense to me. You're not savoring the things that be of God, but those that be of men. You're thinking about how I can establish my kingdom politically. You're thinking that I'm bringing the church into the earth to overthrow Rome while I'm thinking of overthrowing sin. And this is the challenge that the people of God were were battling with. It's not a physical kingdom. It's a spiritual kingdom. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. This is the personal 
development plan of a believer. Deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow him. Deny your ambitions, deny your wants, deny your needs, deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow him. It's not supposed to be an easy journey. Anyone that signed up for Christianity expecting it to be easy, how's that working out for you? I mean, because you're going to be discouraged and disappointed a lot. But it's worth it. I mean, it's it's all worth it. All the pain is worth it. If you see, if you notice when I get on my podcast and anytime you hear me preach, I don't complain. I don't complain. I, I, I don't complain. I'll I'll uh, say facts. I'll say what it is, but I'm not complaining. Why would I complain? I, I'm, my, lamb, my, my name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Why would I complain? I, I've... I can't believe he counted me faithful putting me in the ministry. Can't can't complain. I'm 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 happy. I'm I'm happy. In in the struggle I'm happy. When every when nothing's going right I'm happy because my 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 joy is centered in his presence. I'm happy with this cross. Take up your cross and follow me. This is where this is all heading. This is why Matthew 16 is the transition point to the rest of the gospel. It gets more and more challenging. Whosoever will save his life shall lose it, and whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. Wow. (sighs) Those that are trying to save themselves lose themselves. Those that lose themselves for his sake find themselves. Wow. I didn't find myself until I lost myself. I didn't discover my identity until I gave my identity away to him. I I, I did not discover who I was until I discovered who he was. And that's what happens with that's what happened with Simon Peter. He said, Thou art the Christ. And after he came to Jesus as Simon and said, Thou art the Christ, Jesus pointed a finger and said, Thou art Peter. And so when he confessed who he was, when he confessed who God was, God confessed who he was. We draw nigh unto him, and he will draw nigh unto us. As we uncover ourselves to him, he uncovers himself to us. As we confess who he is, he shows us who we are. You're not Simon, you're Peter. You have the proper revelation of who I am. So let me show you who you are. Not only show you who you are, but 
I've also equipped you. I've given you keys. I want to show you who you are, and I want to show you what's on the inside of you. That comes from relationship with God. When you lose yourself in him, you find yourself. I, th- I thought my life would be very different than it is now. I was going in a- another direction. But then when I lost my life for his sake, I found my life. It's like, wow, I can't imagine doing anything different. I was born to, to pastor in Orlando. I was born to be on this podcast I was born to share the word and teach Bible studies and help people. I can't envision my life being any different. I love what I do. The psalmist said, one day in thy courts are are better than a thousand. One day in, in the presence of God is better than a thousand days anywhere else. One day living for God Your worst day living for God is better than a thousand of your best days living for the world. Your worst day living for Jesus Christ is better than a thousand of your best days in the world. For what is a man profited if he gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man shall come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and then shall reward every man according to his works. Verily I say unto you, there shall be some standing here which shall not taste of death till they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. What Jesus is showing is that it's not enough for the kingdom to be this abstract world. It has to pierce the personal life. That is not enough to go to church and just be like, oh, kingdom, kingdom, kingdom. Wow, it's wonderful over there. No, the kingdom has to penetrate your personal life where you're you're making a present sacrifice for the kingdom. Victor, give up basketball. You're going to preach my gospel to the nations. I never even preached yet. But he's telling me to give up something now in my life for something in the kingdom that's coming. And you have to believe in the kingdom so much that you're willing to sacrifice for it now. That's difficult, isn't it? But the but the unseen things are more real than the seen things. The things which are seen are temporal, and the things which are unseen are eternal. So we have to allow the kingdom to penetrate our personal lives. It has to penetrate what we do daily, how we treat one another daily, how we love one another daily, how we reach out to people daily. Amen? We can't love God who we don't see if we can't love our brethren who we do see. He that loves God and hates his brother is a liar, according to the scriptures. 
Amen? The, the Greek word for soul, when it says, what shall a prophet of a man gain the whole world and lose his own soul? And what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? The Greek word for soul, it, it, it can be translated soul, life, or self. And some people to get profit, they'll compro they'll become chameleons to make profit. What shall a man give in exchange for his soul, exchange for his life, or exchange for himself? What will a man give up? It's when a man gives up his identity for gain. Give up self, gives up his soul, gives up his life for temporal gain it's not worth it it's not worth it so matthew is introducing a shift here that the goal of a christian is not to have a physical inheritance in this world but it is to lay up a spiritual inheritance it's different from the Jewish thought because to become Christians, when Jews became Christians, they lost their inheritance. They were considered heretics. They lost everything to believe in God, to believe in Jesus Christ, that he is Yahweh in the flesh. They lost Everything, and if you judge your life by your material wealth or what you own, then you're, it's not an accurate view of the kingdom. It's about what are the spiritual things that you have sown. That's what determines your success. The kingdom is not something that, you know, he said, someone's going to say, Christ is here, Christ, the kingdom's over here, the kingdom's over there. He said, don't follow them. He said, for the kingdom dwells within you. It's a spiritual kingdom. It's not a physical kingdom. It is a spiritual kingdom. And he is going to fulfill the suffering servant that's mentioned in Isaiah. He is the fulfillment of that prophecy of the suffering servant. That there would be no beauty in him that we should desire him. That we esteemed him stricken, smitten of God. This is the what's being prepared. That he's fulfilling, not only dying for our sins, but he's fulfilling this suffering servant role in Isaiah. This is what Matthew wants the Jews to get into their mind. This is the one you've been waiting for. So what's the application of this? Don't be afraid to pay the price. Pay the price. You have been living off of samples long enough. Pay the price. It's going to cost you in prayer. It's going to cost you in fasting. It's going to cost you in time. It's going to cost you in hours. It's going to cost you in friendships lost. 
But obedience to God has to be the priority. You have to value the things of God over the things of man. And guess what? While you're doing God's will, guess what? God's going to send some Simons along the way to help you shoulder that burden. You see, you see, a burden is something God gives to you. A thorn is something God gives you so you can handle the abundance of revelation. But, but God can't give you a cross. You have to take up your cross. He'll give you a burden. He'll give you a thorn. But only you can take up the cross. He won't give you the cross. That's something that you have to take up daily. He won't put it on you. You got to take it up. He'll put a burden on you. He'll put a thorn for his because of his grace. But when it comes to the cross, uh, that's you got to pick it up daily. Pick it up. It's worth it. It is worth it. You're going to make an impact. You're going to help a lot of people. It's worth it. Yes, you may be criticized, but man, you're going to be celebrated in the kingdom. And and when do, what we do is not to please people. We've got to please God. The Bible says that the Pharisees wouldn't confess them openly because they loved the praises of men more than they loved the praises of God. You got to come out of the shadows. Do something. Do something. I'm going to be doing this podcast no matter if people watch or not. No matter if people like it or not. I got a mandate to fulfill. I'm going to, I wrote my book out of obedience. Whether people bought it or not, I've got to obey God. I've got to obey God. One thing that I realized that I took for granted whenever I was an athlete, I I didn't realize that this was kind of etched into my mind. I didn't realize it until recently. That an athlete, when they play a sport, when I played college basketball and high school basketball, there are people on the sidelines that are literally cursing you out. I'm telling you, they're, 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 they're cursing you out. They're trying to get your attention. They're wearing purple. They're wearing, they got pink hair. They are doing whatever they can to get your attention off of the goal. They're yelling while you're shooting free throws. They're, they're cursing out your family members. They're putting up picture of your family members. I'm serious, guys. This is the way it is. And if you as a player get distracted by that, you're mentally weak and mentally frail. You have to put the goal ahead of your feelings and ahead of your surroundings. And you have to function at a high level of discipline while people are screaming at you. I mean, there are people saying, if you make this shot, I'm going to shoot you after this game. 
And you have to have the type of discipline and focus to make the shot. On one funny note, I remember I was in Lake Charles, Louisiana. Shout out to Barb, Barb High School. I was in Lake Charles, Louisiana. We were playing. I remember I was a sophomore. And no, I was a freshman rather. And I was playing varsity as a freshman. I was starting varsity as a freshman. And I remember Barb was just one of the loud schools. And I remember I got filed, and so I went to the free throw line. And when I went to the free throw line, I started dribbling the ball, and then it got real quiet. And right as I was about to get up to shoot, someone yelled out. I had my jersey number was number 20. They yelled out, number 20's got cankles. <laughs> and so I was like, <laughs> thank God I still made it. But, but I made it because of the discipline while I'm getting criticized, while I'm getting yelled at. I have trained so much that nothing on the outside can dictate my effectiveness. We went into hostile environments, hostile rivalries. People hated our team, hated our guts, but we still performed at a high level. I took this for granted because I could see this now in ministry that all the external noise trying to pull for your attention, trying to vie for your attention, trying to get you distracted, trying to take you away from love, take you away from encouragement, take you away from discipline, take you away from this. And it's like, hey, hey, look at me, look at me. Facebook saying, hey, hey, Instagram, hey, hey. All of these distractions trying to vie for my attention to take me away from the goal, from the aim. But it's etched in me to stay focused on the task that is before me. I realized that I guess that was one of the benefits that why it's really natural and easy for me to not get distracted from the goal because I dealt with this my whole life. Now it's just for his kingdom. It's not for a corruptible crown. Now it's for an incorruptible. And if I was disciplined and focused in winning a game, I can be disciplined and focused in winning a race, a spiritual race. I'm running now, as Paul said, not as one that beats against the air, but I'm running, I'm chasing after that incorruptible crown. Ah, stay focused, pay the price. It's worth it. It's worth it. It is worth it. And I, so you stayed focused when you're being celebrated and when you're being criticized. I remember and I was in, uh, I believe I was in Baton Rouge playing uh, West Feliciana. And we were in a game and like I dunked the ball like two times. The crowd was going crazy. Well, Afterwards, they threw the ball off the backboard 
I caught it with one hand. This 6'8 guy jumped with me, and I dunked it on his head. People from the stands started running onto the basketball court because of how crazy that was in the celebration. And so in the same discipline you have with criticism is the same discipline that you have with praise and celebration. When people are celebrating you, having the same focus, it's a discipline. When people are patting you on your back and when people are pushing you away, the goal is more important. Take sacrifice, y'all. Do the will of God, whether people are celebrating you or criticizing you. Do God's will. And take up your cross. Take his yoke upon you and learn of him. For his yoke is easy and his burden is light. I'm yoked with Jesus and it feels good. I don't decide where I go. He decides where I go. I'm yoked with Jesus. See, the yoke, it was a double yoke. You know how they yoke oxen together? Two oxen plowing together. They have a yoke together. I'm yoked with Jesus. And Jesus steers me where to go. Turn right, turn left. And I'm happy, as Paul said, to be a servant of Jesus Christ. The Greek word is doulos, the a slave of Jesus Christ. Woo! I'm shackled to him, and I don't want to let go. Love this cross. Taking up the cross and following him, it's a wonderful thing. Now Matthew is getting to the center of his message, and that is the cross. That's where everything is taken care of from the old, uh, from the past to the present to the future Everything is going towards the cross. And Matthew 16 starts paving the way for that. Take up your cross today. Find a place to pray. Open up your Bible. Do the will of God. Answer your calling. Plant that church. Sing that song. Write that song. Start that Bible study. Woo, preach that sermon. Start that career. Start that job. Go back to school. Whatever God's telling you to do, do it. And God's going to get the glory and increase it. Share this message. I know it's going to be a blessing to you and your family. Thank you for joining me today. I'm looking forward to bringing you the word of God tomorrow. God bless. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, for more information, you can follow my social media page, Victor M. Jackson, or you can come visit us in Orlando, Florida at Bible Center of Orlando. Thank you for joining us. God bless.